Hello, dental online trainers. This is Dr. Dennis Hartley. Welcome to another episode of DOT Sharecast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. All right, hello, dental online trainers. I'm Dr. Dennis Hartlieb, and welcome to this recorded meeting with uh, one of my favorite people and someone who I think you're just going to love, and you're going to love the information that she shares with us today. Uh, this is Jerry Gottlieb. So help me and welcome Jerry Gottlieb from GG Consulting. All right. Uh, GG has been working with me and my partner, Dr. Christopher Ching, um, and our team for over about a year now. And I was uh, I invited Jerry in to share with us some of her like secret sauce uh, on what we do in our practice and what we're doing in our practice to make us stronger and better than ever. So, uh, first of all, Jerry, welcome, and it's, this is going to be a fun, fun uh, little bit of time we get to spend together. Yeah, totally. I'm very excited. Thank you so much for for having me, um, and I'm happy to be here and to support you and and support DOT and all the online learners. Perfect. Thanks. All right. So I want to start out, if you want to just give us a little of your background, tell us how you got into consulting and sort of your experience in dentistry. So I think the, the viewers can get an understanding, understanding on, on, I think what you have uh, is a bit of a unique background. And I think what's really helped you and understand both sides of uh, the dental practice from both someone who's been inside of it and someone who's maybe standing on the outside and seeing it. So give us a little of your background. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I was recruited into dentistry uh, when I was in college, and I was pursuing a degree in psychology and music. Um, with that, I was planning to work on child development, and I was working uh, in, in retail at the time for a clinic cosmetics, and I was recruited by, because I was helping a gentleman who happened to turn out to be a dentist. And we'd been having conversation uh, and he said, you know, I'd really like you to come and work for me. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't know what you do, but what is it that you do and, and why? So, you know, I'll fast forward through um, the short version of the story is I went to work in an ortho practice um, while still continuing to pursue my education. And I first went in as an assistant. And he said, I don't, you know, I said, I didn't, I don't know anything about dentistry. I had never thought of dentistry as a career path at all. Um, I went to the dentist. I had teeth. That's about what I knew. And he said, no worries. I'm going to train you uh, everything you need to know. And so great. I was happy to number one, get out of retail. Number two, work, you know, four days a week and um, do something different. So I started working as an assistant. And I actually fell in love with dentistry, um, something I just didn't expect at all. Uh, I don't know how long into that process of him training me as an assistant and me working as an assistant, but, you know, I, six weeks, eight weeks, maybe three months or more, um, he said, you know, Jerry, do you have time after work today? I'd like to sit down and talk about how you think things are going. I was great. Well, I was, you know, 22 at the time and thinking, I thought everything was amazing. I thought this is the best thing I've ever done. I can't believe this. How lucky am I to have gotten to be, you know, asked to come and work in this practice and do what I'm doing. And so I sit down with him and he said, you know, Jerry, tell me, you know, how, how do you think it's going? And I said, I love it. I love it here. I love what I'm doing. And he said, you know, and we love having you here but I don't think assisting is your gift. I was like, oh, for, for me, I thought, oh my goodness, I think maybe I'm about to get fired. Um, and I, you know, I'd never been fired before and I thought, well, crap. And um, he said, but I think I know what is. And he just was uh, such a great mentor and kind person, but he said, you know, made me his treatment coordinator. Oh, fantastic. Right. So I didn't have these skills, but apparently I had the people and the, and the conversation skills and I just fell in love even more. And over time, I grew and became a practice administrator. And I ultimately ended up leaving that practice um, and went on to, to other practices that, that really believed in growing and developing their teams and the people that worked for them and with them, which certainly as someone who had always planned to grow and develop 
people um, that resonated with me. And I just continued to grow. I continued to learn everything I thought I could possibly learn about the dental industry. Certainly, you know, I took a lot of courses on, you know, treatment coordinating and conversation and um, administrative side of a practice. And this is while you were acting as an office manager in these practices? Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I, I went to a lot of continuing education, which of course, as you know, I still do today. But so during that period of time, so right now I've been in dentistry for 28 years. Hardly possible. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Hardly possible. Same with me. Hardly possible. Hardly possible. But um, off and on throughout the, the years, I had been approached to go into coaching or consulting. Like, you should do this, or you'd be really good at doing that. And at different times, I considered it, but didn't, wasn't ready to do that. About seven or eight years ago, um, as I was starting to, I actually had gone back to school to try to get a master's um, in psychology. I was a single mom at that point thinking, you know, I, as much as I loved what I was doing in dentistry, I thought I needed to do more. And, but I hadn't quite wrapped my head around what that more was yet. Sure. Um, the consulting thing was still there, but I knew that would also mean some travel. Yep. Mm -hmm. I had two daughters and I wasn't really sure if I was ready to do that. Yep. And then about eight years ago, I became, because I met and married my husband, who is a periodontist. Okay. Um, now, I then was thrust into the ownership side of the dental business. A whole, a whole different perspective than being someone who's working inside the practice. Correct. Even with yeah. as much autonomy and uh, education as I had been given, um, as a practice administrator at a high level, I had no idea. I really yeah. had no idea. Yeah, you know, Jerry, I think this is one of the challenges for dentists is that um, we, we're on an island, even if we have partners, but with our team, we're still on an island because even though we want our, our team members to have ownership in the practice, you can't truly really have ownership unless you have ownership. And, and actually during this COVID-19 thing right now, this really brings it to light. Um, where many of my team members, you know, they're still active in helping us make some decisions in the practice, but they don't have the same stresses that we are having as owners on how is this practice going to survive when we finally get back to work and stuff. So, I, you're, so you get to see things from a different perspective then, yeah? A completely different perspective. And that's under the best of times, right? Let alone mm -hmm. right now, under these times. But under, I, I truly, um, it, it actually kind of rocked my world a little bit, to be honest. Because in what way? You know, just understanding really from, from your perspective, the owner perspective, truly all the heart and soul, the blood, sweat, and tears that go into the work that you do. And truly the, um, the behind the scenes view of the things that the team doesn't get to be privy to. Mm -hmm. And, and contribute to all the different decisions that we have to make as a business owner. And then especially as a, as a practitioner and a clinician, right? And it really struck me then that in no other industry outside of a very few, like maybe even my own, being a business owner, is, our, is the business owner... Also, the CEO, the CFO, the COO, the HR specialist, and the main producer for that business. Exactly. And I knew I had to actually learn a whole lot more, right? I didn't know what I didn't know. And once sure. I knew, I was like, oh, gosh, I still don't know enough about that. So I had to dive deeper. I also had to... Really, honestly, and I think I've told this story to you before, Dennis, where I actually even went back to one of my dentist employers and apologized. Hmm. Or sometimes I would say things, to, you know, like to him or behind his back, like I'd call him like cheap Chad and, you know, whatever I'd wrestle with leading the team and dealing with what he did and didn't want to do, but I didn't always have an understanding. So I would make my own judgment about things, right? Until I had a different understanding. And 
for me, it actually just made me even more passionate about this industry, but from both sides. Mm -hmm. I could bring the teams closer to understanding how difficult it is to actually own and operate a dental practice and, and be all of wear all of those hats and bring the doctors closer to understanding the team and what they, their worldview of a practice that we would all have so much more fun in the work that we do and in our relationships within our work, but also outside of our work. Um, And that just really spurred me on to go ahead and go into coaching the next level. Well, let me ask you a question on that. So, you know, uh, you brought up consulting and coaching. And so I'm curious from your perspective, where they're the same and where they're different. So uh, let me frame it this way. So a dentist, in fact, I just got an email from a young dentist and she's looking at buying a practice and is um, considering hiring a dental consultant. Mm -hmm. And my response to her was, well, are you looking for a consultant or are you looking for a coach? And I know you notice you've used both those terms. And so I'm sort of curious what your thoughts are. Coaching versus consulting, are they the same? Are they different? And where do they overlap? Yeah, that is a really great question. Um, and though I sometimes use those terms interchangeable, they're actually, in my mind, different. And I think one of the reasons I use them interchangeably is because I default to saying consultant. Because when you say coach, sure. some people are like, what? What, right. is that? Mm-hmm. what does that mean? Right. The difference for me... Well, I look at I look at coaching or teaching or anything like on a continuum, right? On one end, there's a teacher, an instructor, mm-hmm. right? You are teaching something to somebody. Like if you're going to teach me something about composites that I don't know anything really about, you're the teacher. You have the knowledge, right? You're going to teach me something new. And then I think of consultant, and to me, a consultant also has the knowledge. And they might tell you how or teach you how to do something. Okay. And then I, a coach. And for me, a coach is somebody who's played the game, usually, right? When you think mm-hmm. about a sport, sure. um, understands the game from maybe multiple perspectives. Sure. But doesn't actually get on the field with you. Instead, works with the team and, or you to, Take what you already know and know how to do and do it maybe differently, better. Look at things from the sideline where you can't see it when you're in the game and come alongside you and cheer you on, challenge you, um, introduce you to maybe a new idea around maybe, maybe or a new concept or a new way around an old idea. Sure. Um, and then, I, then the next continuum of that for me is facilitation. And facilitation is really where I take a team like yours or people like you who have the knowledge, who are smart, who, are, who know their industry, who know what they're doing and are looking to be better, to do things at the next level. But the knowledge is already there. I'm not necessarily bringing new knowledge to it. I'm just helping you get where you want to go. And for me, and GG Practice Coaching, is I want to live mostly between coach and facilitator. So I want to talk about systems and stuff like that in just a little bit. But one of the things, and Chris and I were just talking earlier today, um, very often dental consultants kind of get a bad name. In fact, Chris was referring to a thread that he, he'd been on. And a lot of people are, have disappointments yeah. when, they've, when they've worked with a consultant or maybe even a coach. And maybe this is putting you on a spot because you can't speak for all consultants and stuff. But I wonder if you can, what do, why do you think that there are a lot of dentists that have been disappointed with the consultants they've worked with? Is it because there's been a lack of coaching or do you think that there's a lack of communication or lack of maybe appreciation from the dentist and with the consultant? And I'll say this, for instance, if, if, uh, if I want to work on my tennis game or my golf game, I can get a coach, but the bottom line is I'm still the one who has to swing the racket or swing the club. 
Yes. And I wonder if many dentists go into these relationships with a consultant or a coach and almost expect that the coach is going to be jumping in and swinging the racket or swinging the club. Is, is, does that make sense? It, it makes complete sense. And I, I'm going to say, so I was going to answer that question very similarly to that. Number one, I think when you think of a consultant or when you hire a consultant, so often we just want someone to come in and fix it. Yeah, for sure. Because it, it's hard work and it stinks. It's like the, we don't want to be doing that stuff, right? And I think, so from my perspective, in, and especially in these last seven years of doing that, I think the disappointment with a consultant or a coach, um, if they call themselves a coach but don't know how, is when you expect someone to come in and fix it and they don't um, because the work really is with you and the team. Or if the consultant tells you how to do something, if I come in and just said, it's like we joke, right? The world according to Jerry, you got to do A, B, and C, and then your practice is going to be great. Your team is going to function well, and all is going to be right in the world, you know, like a formula. And then you, it might work for a short period of time, but again, it's the world according to Jerry and not the world according to Dennis or the world according to Chris. As a coach, and, and especially when I'm initially interviewing somebody about coaching, if they're interested in coaching, is are you ready to do the heavy lifting? Hmm. Meaning you, Dr. Hartley, are you ready to do the heavy lifting with this? Because maybe we haven't had sustainable change before, or we haven't had, we've had systems that worked for a while but then they don't work anymore or we stopped doing them. And after we stopped working with the consultant, we stopped doing that thing. Well, usually it's because that thing was not your thing to begin with. Mm. Right. It was my thing. Yep. Yep. Versus what is this practice supposed to look like for Dennis and Chris? Mm -hmm. What's the vision that you have? What are the values that drive the work that you do? And then where are we falling short? And as a coach, how can I help you get there? Versus here's my template, do this, and you're going to have a great practice. All right, so let me ask you this. Uh, so I got a couple of thoughts. First is, would you say then that a, a good consultant does not necessarily mean that they're a good coach also? So a consultant could come to the table with systems and sort of lay things out for you. Yes. And a coach could be somebody who maybe doesn't have the systems, but they could be coaching you on doing things that maybe you already have in place. But a good coach is somebody who has the system, can give you, help you with the systems, help you develop your systems, and then help you then implement the change that's necessary to put those systems in place. Is that how, is, is that correct? I would say that's a really great and accurate way to put that. Um, and the coach, if she's, if for he or she is really good, is able to help you not only implement them, but help them be sustainable mm. over time and long sure. beyond that coach, right? Being there in the practice. And something that you just said around that is, is so many of the things around our systems and when the systems fail, it's not about the system. It's usually about the behaviors oh. around the systems. Sure. Right? Yes. So, so for me as a coach, it's about both of those things. I look at both sides. We're going to start with a foundational piece, like building a house. Okay, if this is the vision, what you want this house to look like, what sort of foundation has to be there and what is already there and maybe where are we lacking? And to me, that is the behavioral side. Yep. How we communicate, how we understand the vision, how we communicate it, how we understand each other right? We're all different. We're all playing on the same team, but we're all individuals. So how do we work together? Then it is the business side. So the systems, the structure, um, protocols, standard operating procedures, whatever you want to call those. And then how that making sure that those are supported by the behavior. So to me, the behavior is the foundation. Then we layer in um, the business side or the, the practice side, the, the everyday side, the policies and systems. And then the next level of that truly is even the ownership side. Mm -hmm. yep. What needs to be in place? What do we need to be looking at so that all of those layers are working together? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in, in a second, I want to talk about systems and all that because I know that, that that's obviously critical. Um, 
But I'm wondering, so if we have dentists out there who've either had failures with um, when they've worked with management teams or coaches before, or for those who haven't, what is, you know, what should they be thinking and what questions should they be asking when they start to talk to consultants? What, what, are, what, don't, what don't they know to ask and maybe they should ask? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, even before they ask questions, I think understanding, if you can come to the, the table or the phone call or the discovery, you know, if you meet somebody that's a coach or consultant or you're thinking about having one is why? what is it that I'm hoping for? Or what is the, what is the thing I'm struggling with within the practice? Or what do I want to know or do better? Can, can I ask you a question? Can I interrupt? What is a typical response to that question when you, when you talk to your dentist? What, is there a typical why? Or is the why as varied as, um, you know, as, as people are? Or is there a common thread or a common theme? Uh, th that all of the above. They are, can, they are as different they there is some common themes typically it is around team dynamics mm. or sometimes they might think it's around a system or the schedule or scheduling or new patients or some key performance indicator that they feel they're missing out on or that they're frustrated with and as you dig deeper it really isn't that it's that particular system might be flawed or if there is one in place but it really comes back to the behavioral side almost always but I think when someone is looking for a consultant or a coach, number one, you've got to know why you're looking for one. You have to understand, are, do you, are you looking for someone to tell you what to do and even sort of do it for you? Or are you looking for someone to help you do and get to where you want this to look like? Um, do you want... You know, we as consultants and coaches, right, we all come in all shapes and sizes just like you. So I work with really little practices to really big practices, multi-location, um, multi-doctor, single doctor. You have to connect. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm answering this as succinctly as you would like, Dennis, That's but okay. I think about the questions that I ask, but I haven't necessarily thought about it on the side of what you should be asking. So this is a great question. Um, but I think it's important that you ask, you know, what is my, what is, what is that person's style of coaching? Oh, that's a good one because yeah, I think that um, in, in talking to friends uh, over the years that have the consultants and I think that often is one of the challenges for the dentist is that the style of coaching they're getting from the coach or the consultant doesn't maybe not mesh with the personality or the needs of the particular dentist or, or owner of the practice, right? Right. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, I don't, I, I'm not a fit for everyone, just like you're not yeah. a fit for every patient. Absolutely. That's a great point, right? There are many patients that we just don't, we don't jive, right? And so they may stay in the practice for a little bit, but ultimately they leave the practice because we aren't speaking the same language and I'm just not able to connect with them for, you know, for, for whatever that reason might be. Right. And, or let's say, you know, and I, one of the things like for GG practice coaching and, and development is that we really are about developing people first, then the practice, right? And so, but, but that takes work and it takes a lot of work on your part and it's not overnight. Some of us want change tomorrow, right? I'm not that coach, right? It, this is, I want this to be sustainable. It's like any other exercise or working out or learned thing. You're not gonna be proficient at it overnight. It takes time. Um, if someone is looking for, you know, sometimes there's just so many different offerings out there from different coaches and consultants that are all fabulous. Right. Are different. Yes. Um, and so, so, so would you say for a, for a dentist who's like, you know, I, I'm not happy. I'm, you know, I'm stressed with my practice, whatever number of things are. The bottom line, before they start talking to consultants, they got to figure out what it is that's making them stressed or where, what is, what is the issue so they can have more clarity yep. so that when they're talking to the consultants, they can say, this is my issue or this is the issue that I can see right. um, and then be able to have a better understanding and where they want to get to so that they can have a better conversation and better understanding when they're, when they're talking to their consultant or coach. Yeah, absolutely. And if they don't, so I'm thinking about a, a young, um, a dentist that I'm working with right now. Um, and she, 
she couldn't actually articulate and pinpoint what was the thing that's keeping her up at night. Mm. Right? That's the question that I ask often is, well, what is it, you know, Dr. Hartley, that what, what's, what's, what's weighing most on your mind every day or keeping you up at night? Um, and she couldn't really even articulate it. But one of the things we figured out is that she'd never actually written or had a vision for her practice. She just uh. sort of finished dental school, opened the doors, got going and, you know, and like, oh, and then why is she frustrated with this and frustrated with that and frustrated? Well, number one, she'd never articulated it, not even to herself, what she really wanted her practice to look like. Yeah. And then you have a team who also then doesn't know what it's supposed to look like. So we're all just making it up as we, what we think it should look like. Sure. Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah, be ready. And even if you don't know, even if you're just like, you know, I just know I'm not where I want to be. Um, a good coach or consultant isn't going to try to, this is the world according to Jerry. I'm not going to try to sell you on my coaching or my coaching style. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions and find out what it is truly that you need and are looking for. And if I or my associate, Kim, I have an associate now, um, can't fit that or we are not the right fit for you right now, I'll let you know that too. I let people know that. And I, but I will guide you to where I think you could get help, where you might be, where, what might be a good fit for you. You know, dentists, dentists need to have that same skill, right? Because we often will have a patient that sits in the chair and almost immediately, like, I don't want to be working on this person, but we don't necessarily have the maturity, the, uh, the EQ or the, uh, the maturity to look at the patient in the eye and say, I'm just not the guy for you. It gets easier as we get older. Um, I, I can tell you for now, the conversations that I have with patients today are much different than what I had 30 years ago. Uh, but it's still difficult to have those conversations um, yeah. because we're here to serve, right? You're, you're in the business to serve. Yeah. And, uh, and that's a challenge and continues to be a challenge for me personally in my practice is identifying people that they are better off in somebody else's dental chair yeah. not because they're bad people, but just simply because their personality and their desires or needs are different yeah. than what I'm able to provide for them. I think the other thing is too, is look out for someone who is um, promising you too much. Mm. And like, what? Well, in what way would you, um, I mean, I think that's a great point. And I think that's probably where a lot of disappointment comes from dentists is either a, as you talked about earlier, is not take, not understanding they're the ones who are responsible for swinging the golf club. Yep. Right. Putting things into action. And number two, maybe not under, or maybe, um, in the sale to them, the um, consulting company promised them more than what they were going to be able to deliver. Maybe it's like two sides. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's it. If we over-promise and, right, over-promise and under-deliver. Yeah, for sure, right? Same thing in dentistry. Over-deliver. And I try to just be more realistic about, because um, truly, if you're not willing, I can give you all the golf uh, knowledge. I could give you all of the, material and lesson I could talk you through things but if you won't actually pick up the club and swing and miss and swing and miss and swing and miss and practice and swing and miss and swing and oh connect you know then I can't promise you any result I can promise that if in my experience in my way of coaching if you do a b and c if you get better as a leader, if you get clearer with your team, if you get clearer with the vision, things are going to, they can't not get better, right? If you're, yep. as long as you're picking up the golf club and swinging, you're going to get better. <laughs> it's going to get better. You know, I, I hear a few themes that, uh, that's been coming up in, uh, that's vision um, in leadership and leader. One of the things you said um, was, when you start working with a team, you're really starting to, you want to um, get to the personalities and get to the people that are making this work. But I know when you dove into our practice, at the same time you were doing that, you're also looking at the data that we had in our practice yeah. and the systems we have in our practice. Yep. And I, I will tell you from our experience, it was almost like third, third, and third was like, all right, these are the people that you have in place, including ourselves, myself and my partner, Chris, right? 
And these are um, our personality types. This is how we are working together or maybe not working together. And then there was the systems that we had or didn't have in place. And then third, and maybe as important, I don't know, they're all third, is the data. What does the data say about the practice? Yes. And so I think that's, to me, where, like, what I've learned um, through our relationship is that those all three parts, it's like the three-legged stool. You got to have the systems, you got to have the data, and you got to have the people stuff, right, for the practice to set on, right? Bingo. Perfect. Yeah. How about that? I'm good. I'm a good student after all, Jerry. It's taken a year, but I think I've gotten it. But that is exactly it, right? And the data um, serves as a measuring stick of the work that we do, right? Of those other two legs. And I think of it like this. We could say we work out every day. Yep. Yep. (laughs) But if if you aren't trimmer, fitter, healthier, you know, maybe having to buy some smaller size clothes or whatever, then maybe the workout isn't right. Yes. You're not working out every day. It just might mean that you're not, working out what's right for you. Or there's some other behavioral things that are not making your workouts impactful because you're sitting there drinking four bottles of soda, you're eating a bag of chips, Correct. you're doing all that, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it is absolutely, that is, those are, that's exactly a great way to put it, Dennis. In fact, I'll probably put it in my, I'm going to write it down in my- No, no, that's registered. You can't have that. I'm not going to take a three-legged piece because it really is that. That is exactly it. We start with leadership and understanding the leaders and the owners, right? So the owner has to be a leader, whether they want to or not. You're the owner of the business. You have a leadership responsibility there. Um, and for me, I truly believe that when leaders get better, everything gets better. I think that what, I think a lot, what people don't understand, and it's taken me a long time to understand, that the, the team members, they need strong leadership, yes. right? Because, and, and for someone like myself who, it's kind of a hands-off approach kind of person with my team. Um, the reality is, is that uh, I think our team members need consistency. We've talked about that, right? Consistency in the message, clarity in the message. Um, but they need strong leadership, and they, they need constant direction. And having that vision like you talked about, right, that's so critical to help, uh, help the team uh, know the path that they need to be going on, maybe. Well, I think, right, when we stray, you think about even parenting, right? But thinking about a vision for the practice, when we start to go astray, maybe as a team member, when we are clear about the vision and where we are headed as a practice, it makes all the conversations that we need to have easier because it's not about, hey, Jerry, why are you going astray and being a ding dong over here versus, you know, is what you're doing in alignment with where we're headed or this vision. And maybe that comes from the leadership side too, is like, you know, Dennis is this behavior here getting you what you actually want. That's a great point. How does that, then, then we need to look at that. So instead of looking at it as like Dennis is wrong or Jerry's wrong, or she's not doing this or he's not doing that. um, We can have conversations that are built around and more consistent to where are we trying to go? You know, I, I, I definitely want to be talking about numbers and stuff like that because I'm sure there's a great number of dentists that want to sort of understand what numbers are we looking at. But I want, to, I want to follow this thread a little bit because when you started working with our practice, we had developed our core values and we had developed, a, we had a sort of a mission statement. But yeah. you really challenged us to get more clarity. And you worked with us for a long time because we had, uh, we had eight um, core values at the time. And I think a lot of what you saw with our core values was kind of, you know, kind of BS, was kind of like words written, but not truly core, right? And you helped us really sort of start um, clawing through that information and get into more detail. And then I think that's really important, not just for like an individual dentist, but if you're in a partnership, it's even, boy, I tell you, um, you got to really do some hard work to be able to make sure that the partners are clear with each other because yeah. you're right. Because I think the thing is that, and what you've taught us is that it is not about the team member. It's if there's an issue, it's about how that team member member 
is or is not holding up the, the values of the practice that's been set by the leadership. Right. And I've learned that from you that if I, so if I have an issue with a team member, I don't want to say, you know, you're not doing this or you're doing this poorly. I can refine, I can bring it back to the core values of the practice of to which they have agreed and written off on, right? They signed off on these are our core values. And we can say, look, this is what we agreed upon and your actions aren't supporting that. And then start to get some clarity about what is going on with them and why aren't they feeling, um, so why aren't they supporting these core values, which they agreed are important to them as well. Right. And I think it's important too, because what, what was interesting, even with your team and, and with many of the teams I work with, is when the doctors and or owners finally get really clear on those, sometimes the team is hearing some of that for the first time. Mm-hmm. We didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this was so important to you. And now, now the other behaviors or things that frustrate you made sense. Right, right. I think the other thing that's important is once, when we do get really clear on the core values, drill down, and those core values have to be actionable, and they align with the vision to help us get to the vision. Because like the vision is the thing we're headed to, and the core values really are the stepping stones of how we're going to get there. Um, is everybody gets a choice, right? You, you gave the team a choice. Do you, this is actually what we stand for and where we're headed. Are you on board with that? And everybody got to say yes or no. Yep. And they said yes. And so now it's easier to hold them to that. Or even thinking right now, it's really interesting that you brought this piece up too, is as we all are struggling and learning and what, what are we going to have to do differently during, as we go back to practice now during this COVID crisis, um, I have a doctor who sent me her plan for going back to the office and how she was going to handle her team and how she was going to handle the patients and scheduling. And they were absolutely outside of her defined vision and core values. Mm. And so, and she said, don't judge, you know, don't judge. I said, I'm not going to judge, but I am going to ask you to pull up your vision and core values and setting this piece aside. Do those still hold true for you? Oh, interesting. That's still important to you. And she said, yes. And I said, so, you know, one of her core values is health first, health centered, health patient, you know, health, health centered practice. I said, then tell me, does this line up with that? No. Like, I don't have to say like, you can't do that or you can't do this. It's the same thing as if I was talking to a team member. Does what? is this true for you? Yes, this is true. Then is this in alignment with that? And if not, then how do we, where do, where do we need to shift, right? Or pivot? Is it in the expectation as we come back to practice and how we schedule, or is it in, is this really not a true core value? I think that's a great way to put it. And I think for, for dentists who are watching this, I think coming at back, bringing it right back to the leader, to the owner of the practice, because the decisions we make every day, right? Daily decisions, they have to be in alignment because when we go out of alignment, that allows the rest of the team then to be loosey-goosey with, our, with these core values, right? right? If you're not holding to them, then why should I? Or maybe it doesn't, maybe this core value didn't mean what I thought it did. Okay, maybe, maybe it doesn't really mean A, it means B. And so, okay, we'll do B. And then now you're frustrated again because, <laughs> wait, what's happening over here? Well, you've been, you didn't, you've been doing B and not A. You know, it's a little thing. This is an incredibly tiny, tiny little detail, but I, I think this might fit into it. Today, we're working on a newsletter to send out to our patients, letting them know that we're still, we're, you know, we're still thinking of them. And as we're getting ready to send the newsletter, I, I had it on my screen, and I saw that our letterhead was, didn't look crisp. It didn't look clean, yeah. right? And so we could just send that off and be done with it. But part of our core values is, is about excellence. And it's not just about an excellence in dentistry. It's an excellence on how we communicate with each other. It's excellent on, uh, on everything around the practice. And I looked at that and said, that's not excellent. It's, it's okay. So, you know, it's even like a small little details. And as we, if I would have let that go, that may have been a signal to our team like, oh, it's okay. We, we don't have to be excellent in everything. We can just be an excellent whatever we want to choose to be excellent in which means we don't have to be excellent in how we're going to clean up the room because, you know, I don't believe in this COVID. We have to be excellent in everything, right? Yeah. We got to be excellent. We got to strive for excellence. We got to strive for excellence. 
and that messaging, right, is sometimes subliminal, right? It's not even like it's a overt statement. Sometimes it's a, it's a, we didn't really notice that, and but it, it's still a statement, and yeah. So it has to be, and it's interesting. So on the flip side of that, I love that you saw that and and talk about that, Dennis. But sometimes we, even as business owners, and here and now as a business owner myself. Um, we, we don't sometimes see the relationship between where this piece is not excellent. At, and, and so how would that piece of paper with that heading not being excellent have anything to do with how, what we do in the practice or the type of dentistry that we do, right? And yet it does. It does. Because it starts, it's a trickle down piece. And at the same point, even think flipping it in a different direction is if I'm the receiver of that letter, and here's this practice that says they practice at an excellent level and they do this sort of high level dentistry. And, but I get this letter and that is a little bit wonky. It's like, oh really? Huh. So I, I, I think it was in the book from Good to Great, uh, Jim Cowan's book, and I'm not positive and I, I, and I apologize to those if I don't have the reference correct. Uh, but he talked about Kleenexes and Kleenex and coffee stains. And he, in, in this, uh, this portion, and I think that's a book, but I'm not positive. He talked about how people have, um, have these subliminal uh, responses. And so he talked about Southwest Airlines. And Southwest Airlines was a discount carrier. And Southwest Airlines, they, they, were, so, they were so, um, it was so important that the airplanes were perfectly clean because they did not want to think if someone pulled down their tray table and they saw a coffee stain on it, that they would think, huh, if they're not, if they're not doing something as easy as cleaning my, my tray table, then I wonder how well they're maintaining the engines. Is that where they're cutting the costs? Exactly. Right? And so that's always been in my head when I'm looking at my dental office. It can be in, uh, when, I, when we have someone seated in the chair, the floor has to be perfectly clean. Yeah. And so in, in the business of composites, I use a lot of discs to polish and discs can sometimes end up on the floor. Um, right. I can't have a patient seated if there's discs on the floor, if there's alginate, if we were taking alginate impressions. Yeah. The counter's got to be perfect. The floor's got to be perfect. The chair's got to be in the right position because I want everyone, I want my patients to think that we're about excellence. You should see it from the moment you walk in to where you're treated to when you walk out the door. And so, um, I think that that's, uh, is part of that leadership and part of setting those core values. And then for all of us to be able to sort of um, uh, maintain those values and hold each other accountable, which you talk about a lot when you're working with us. Yeah. And it's hard, right? Some of those things are not, I think it's harder for a lot of you dentists, and I, I'm not trying to put you in a box at all, but I think it's hard for a lot of people to understand those little intangible pieces and how important they are and, and how much they reflect on everything that we do. One of the best books that you, uh, that you had us read to start out uh, was The Advantage. Yeah. Um, and so uh, before we get into, finally I want to start talking about numbers and stuff, but talk to us about uh, just briefly about The Advantage and, and where this conversation that we've been talking about how the advantage might help some dentists out there is a good sort of starting point for them. Yeah, thank, that's great. So I was introduced to the advantage, which is written by Patrick Lincioni um, uh, of the table group. He's a, of a big consulting firm that works mostly works with Southwest airlines and people like Southwest airlines, Microsoft. Um, and the premise of the book being that competitive advantage in a world where there's so much we can, we can gain, there's so much to offer. We can look up online anything that we could possibly want or need and or in our industry where there's a dentist on every corner. That the competitive, competitive advantage really comes down to the behavioral health and leadership of your practice, right? And those little things that set you apart from the person down the street and on the corner and the next person. And for me, by the time I read The Advantage, so I was introduced to The Advantage about six years ago now um, by a mentor of mine. 
Um, I was getting ready to take a course on behavioral, uh, behavioral assessments and how to give them and how to use them. As you know, I use with all of my teams to help understand each other and communicate differently. She said, I sent you a gift. She sent me this book. And um, being an avid studier of leadership and reader, I thought, oh, yay, another book on leadership to add to my, you know, millions of books on leadership. And I truly didn't pick it up for a while. And but I, when I did, and I started to think about this concept of behavioral health being truly the foundation, but even more so like just being clear and having clear communication and clear, clear, clear. If there's like many chapters in that book called Clarity, Reinforcing Clarity, Getting Clear Again, um, and how every little piece come, you know, I don't know, how all of that fits together. That book really transformed how I coach. It transformed how I parent how I engage in my friendships and relationships um, because it truly addresses leadership in a way that, and I think you could probably speak to this, but in a way that other books until then had not. Right. Yeah. And I think with your guidance, it helped with your guidance. It helped because I had read it previously on the recommendation of somebody else, but it didn't, it didn't strike me. I didn't get it. But truly, when we started working with you, it, the, the pieces came together. I wasn't, you know, it's uh, the teacher or the, uh, the, the old saying, the, uh, the teacher is there when the pupil's ready or whatever the saying right. is. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I don't think I was ready to hear the information in the book. Uh, but um, for me personally, when I, if I'm talking to a young dentist um, or any dentist who might be struggling, I, that's sort of the, the go-to book that I say, this is a good starting book. Would you agree or would there be something else that you would recommend? Nope. It's the book I start with. It's the okay. same thing. I gift that to every leader. I tell them, go get it. Um, if they say, if they say, if there's nothing else, or I can't work with a coach right now, or I can't work with mm -hmm. now, or I'm this, what's one book? What's your one go-to book? This is my first and one go-to. It's not the only book we use, sure. right? you know, but, and the only thing I reference, but it is my go-to. I think it helps you get super clear on vision in a way that um, is it's clean and clear. You got to think. So it's not super flowery, although some of this sounds flowery. Mm -hmm. right? Sure. Yeah. It's touchy feely. It's really not. Um, it, it asks, it helped learn, help me learn how to ask some critical questions to help form that clarity around vision and core values and then leadership and then how we communicate that yeah. on a regular basis. So yes, the advantage, my go-to. Um, and and then the next one now that is my go-to of that Patrick Lencioni's work are two, the motive, um, which Patrick Lencioni talks about now, it, it's his newest one, but he said if he had, he should have written that one first. Um, but so the motive, the advantage, and the ideal team player are sort of the three pieces that I go to first and foremost. Yeah, so Lencioni, or Lencioni, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, I really enjoy his stuff, and you've introduced us to a lot of his stuff, and it's been really helpful. I want to get into finally some talk. Well, there's, there's three other things that um, you've been really uh, um, powerful in our practice. Uh, systems. Yeah. Um, understanding data and team meetings mm. but we don't have time to get into all that because i think with just talking about team meetings it will be a um, segment all into itself yeah, and and you have changed my perspective on team meetings um i, I always get confused between it's 180 degrees or 360 degrees but 360 would bring me back to the beginning so i guess 180 degrees um, so i want to save team meetings for another time and um, we'll do a deeper dive into systems as well, because yeah. I think that my understanding of systems is so much more clear. I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years, and so um, I, I can say that my, my understanding of systems and the necessity for systems is far more clear than what it was a year ago before we started working with you. Yeah. Um, so, but let's talk about data. And you, you, you had a great statement. You said data is important because it allows us to measure right so talk about some of the data points that you look at in a practice so if you're going to come in and say day one what are what are the data numbers that you're interested in 
we can talk about the tools that you use to track the data later, but yeah. what are the, are there some key numbers that you're looking at that would help you assess the health of a dental practice um, as you're coming in? Yeah, absolutely. And those are, those are or should be pretty standard across our industry, but, and some of them you know, and we refer to them as key performance indicators, right? The things that are telling us how well are we doing really in our practice. So we look at obvious things like production, we look at collection and the percentage of collection to production. Um, I'm looking at treatment presented. How much treatment, how much dentistry is being diagnosed in your practice? And then how many of your patients, so then case acceptance, how many, patients, how many people are accepting that prescription? Yeah, for sure, right? You can, you can tell them all you want. This is what well, the challenge I had as a young dentist. I'd give these wonderful treatment plans and everyone walked out the door because I didn't know how to present them. Yeah, so we don't, yeah. right. So we got to see it like, okay, it's really great that if we, if we prescribe all of these things or we're finding and diagnosing, but how well are we doing at helping people understand the importance and then actually doing them, right? So case acceptance, um, so where are we? Production, collection, treatment presentation, um, case acceptance around treatment, hygiene. I look closely at hygiene, hygiene to doc doctor ratio. What is the, how much is being produced out of the doctor chairs and how much is being produced out of hygiene if you're a, a practice that has hygiene. Um, I look at, so we're measuring that. Uh, I'm measuring then within the hygiene department, knowing that, you know, what all the numbers and data and statistics floating around on oral health and people having periodontal disease um, in our nation. Um, I look at that. What percentage of the hygiene that we are doing is being done um, in perio codes? How much perio are we treating in our practice and or, you know, referring? Um, I look at um, from, a, from a scheduling standpoint, I look at not so much how much you produce per hour, but what is the value of each patient that's coming into your practice, hmm. right? And it's going to vary a little bit based on whether you're, and I'm looking at, are you heavy PPO or a heavy insurance dependent practice, or are you a fee-for-service practice? Um, so Jerry, can I interrupt for a second? Do you work then with practices like ours is, uh, is a fee-for-service practice, uh, but do you work with practices that are obviously without fee-for-service, but you work with practices that are more, insurance-based practices as well? Oh, yeah. And, 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 and different challenges, I would assume, when you're looking at those different practices. Not that either one are easy, but just different challenges, I would imagine. Exactly. So, like, when you – absolutely, they each have their own challenge. Each has the pro and a con to it, right? Um, a heavy PPO practice or a heavy insurance involvement practice is going to have a lower production per visit or patient value generally, because you have to see and do more procedures in a day in order to maybe make you know your production goals, depending on what those are. Sure. Mm -hmm. So speaking of production goals, we look at those. We look at what are the production goals. So it's one thing to look at your production. Um, it's another to understand how that relates to expenses, so overhead. Right? How much does the practice need to be producing to meet needs to be healthy and be profitable? Yep. Because though we are all very generous and, and health-centered or oriented or, or what have you, we're not a benevolent business. Right? We are, it's a business. We're there to make a profit. A profit. So we look at all of those things. I look at expenses. Um, I look at the data around how much you're spending on supplies and things like that. And are there things that we are doing or not doing that could help make some adjustments in those numbers? I think what's so interesting is that uh, this, these data points are so critical, but if you don't have buy-in from the team, then, then you can't get anywhere to make corrections in the data points. Because if, if your team isn't going to support this, changes that you need to do to uh, to become more profitable, to make your business run better. And that's why this leadership stuff is so dang important 
because if you can't get buy-in, then you're not going to get any solutions on this, right? You're just uh, the the team. Uh, you need the team to support all support the doctors and the leadership. Absolutely, and we, because I can speak from 21 years as a team member, even though I was an administrator, is if we don't actually understand the data ourselves, if we don't understand, I can. You know, and I think this might be goes way back to your first question. Why are we get disappointed with some consultant wow. mm. sometimes? And a lot of our teams often tend to think that we are all about the numbers, which then reinforces that the doctor is just all about the numbers because we don't always talk about the data in the way that it relates to behavior mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and buy-in, right? Instead, we talk about it as if it's a separate thing and saying we got to produce more, we got to collect more, we got to do better at this, we got to do more hygiene, we got to do more of this without the why, without right. how does it relate to anything and how does A relate to B? And we all feel like we work really hard and we do in our industry. But when we think about like how does, how does the behavior result in a better uh, case acceptance? How does you know, all of those things have to go together. So it can't just be that we look at just the data and we just talk about the numbers. But as a team member, historically myself, the way data and the numbers have been talked about leave us cold. We don't know. We don't even know what, it, what that relates to except for just maybe putting more money in somebody's pocket, but certainly not mine, right? So when we yep. look at it as a whole and think about even why each of our team members is on the team, mm -hmm. Then we can look at how the data relates to our job and what we do every day. And how can we even tell if I'm doing a good job? If I'm a practice administrator, how can I tell if I'm doing a good job? Right. Have like, to have a metric. You have to have something to show me, to measure it by. There has to be a metric to show us how well we're doing with these things. Yeah, and I, and I think you're right. I think this is why many dentists can be disappointed with uh, um, when they've had uh, other consultants in and stuff. I think one of the misconceptions in dentistry is that, that we can do this regardless of the, the team player, that we don't need to have a team bought into this. That we, I think we see like, you know, Fortune 500 com companies, they can create change and profitability in a quarter or in two quarters, right? They can make, they can make financial changes quickly. In dentistry, I don't think it's so easy to do that if we want it to, to maintain and have long-term success. Right. So because of that, I think it takes a lot longer for us to be able to see the effect of the change. Yes. Right? And so I think dentists can get frustrated because they expect a change within six months or within a year. Yeah. But when we signed in with you, you told us 18 months at a, at a minimum. And I've heard from other people who do consulting to expect three years to get from where you are, where you are to where you want to be. It's going to be about a three year drive. And I don't know that dentists know that. And I don't know if dentists have the patience to go through that because it's painful going through that process. I think that's exactly it. Do we have the patience to do that? Do we have the tolerance level to understand? And, and I think it's important that, we as consultants and coaches, again, realistic expectations on return on investment or return on engagement. Um, we all like quick wins. For sure. I, I do too. And to me, but what I think is a quick win on certain things, maybe to you, you're going, yeah, that's really great. I'm really glad that Susie Q can talk better now to the patients, but we're still not doing this yet. Well, I, it, it takes time. And we have to celebrate, we have to remember to celebrate the things that do change and are changing for the better. But when you can get 12 months down the road or, or maybe in that first six months down the road and you start to see some things be different and feel different, um, we gotta remember to celebrate those. Even though we still have the vision of where we want it to be. And I think that we'll chase that always. I think I, I have yet to meet some, a practice um, or a business that's like, yeah, we're right where we want to be. This, and this is exactly it. We're just going to cruise the rest of the way. I don't think we'll have to tweak anything. I don't think we'll ever have to. I mean, that would be like, you know, going to the gym, doing a workout for six weeks and be like, you know what? I'm good now. Well, that, I, I think that's called like six months from retirement. 
right? It's going to, I got it on autopilot. It's just going to land and I'm just going to get off when, uh, you know, in six months. Right. Yeah. But, but for, for those of us who are actively um, working our practice and growing our practice, I would agree with you hundred percent. One more thing about the data, which has really um, been a super revelation, uh, eye-opening for me, um, is the more I learn and, and relate data to behavior and, and systems and things, the more fun I have with it. But so often think, you know, I, hear, I have a great team. We have a great practice. I have a great team. Of course you do. By the way, most people who seek coaching over consulting, over the quick fix, are awesome people like you and Chris, practitioners who do have great practices that also want to just keep being better all the time, right? I don't coach, and I'm not the right coach for a broken practice or a practice that is truly, truly suffering, right? I would, that's where I would hand off to somebody first for some quick fixes and say, and when you're ready and healthy, okay, right here, now we'll work on the hard stuff of the behaviors and those three, three legs that we talked about. But I hear so often, I have a great team, I have a great practice. Um, and I think about teams like the Patriots, New England Patriots, or um, great football teams that win a lot of championships, right? It's never just one person. Like Tom Brady couldn't have gone to the Super Bowl as many times as he had without all the other pieces around him. For sure. But there are a lot of teams, if you look at football, basketball, whatever, that have amazing talent on those teams that never win. They never go to the championship. Why? Well, it's not because of the lack of athletic ability. Right. Talent. It's what is it then? What are the other pieces? And it, to me, it's these other pieces. It's the, it's the behavior. It's the systems. Um, and, and the data, really. And how are we paying attention to that? And what do we need to look at to help those things move? I, um, I have a talk that I do, I was about to give when all of this COVID hit and my opening slide is something that really kind of drives this home for me is I hear, especially because I hear people talk about their team. It's a great team, it's a great practice. We get along great, everything's great. Um, then I think, oh, well really, because the data is showing me that it's not, then what's going on? But I have this image um, of this really gorgeous, physically fit woman uh, in a plank. You know, and she's naked in a plank. And, the, and the, the title above that says, what I think I look like planking. And then the next slide is a baby elephant with its head upside down in the mud, butt up in the air. And it says, what I really look like planking. Yeah. <laughs> So sometimes, you know, we get a little prideful or we get whatever and we think, no, we're great. We don't need help with all those things. I need help with this. I just need help with this piece. And I said, well, let's look. Let's just look. You just tell me what it says. Yeah, I think so often we need a mirror to help us understand. And I think a great coach is, is that mirror that gets us to understand who we are, who our practice is, who our team is. And then uh, collaboratively, uh, work towards finding the practice ultimately that we want that brings us the, um, you know, the happiness that we deserve. And I think you just said something too, Dennis, and right, it's frustrating. You're not always happy with what I show you. Sure, absolutely. You're not always happy with the questions that I make you think about. Yep. Sometimes that's frustrating, right? Sometimes you're like, dang it, just how do I fix it? Right. <laughs> And, and that, you know, and for all of us in dentistry, it's been, you know, we work tireless hours to uh, perfect our craft in dentistry. And it takes the same or more tireless hours because I don't think that's my natural gift is all this other stuff. I think, um, right. you know, hand-eye coordination, you know, I think most dentists, we're lucky we're gifted with that. Right. This other stuff can be real challenging for a lot of us. And so it takes as much dedication or maybe more to get us into our healthy practices. Um, Jerry, I think this has been great. I think we have so much to talk about that we're going to be covering in, in future uh, meetings together. Yeah, uh, and also in a different space. I feel like maybe I've been sitting in the dark in here. <laughs> it's like a dark mystery. 
<laughs> well, I'm down in the dungeon, so I'm okay. You know, dark and myster mysterious is a okay. Okay, okay. I'm down in the dungeon for the rest of COVID, however long that lasts. You're still uh, you're still banned to the dungeon? No, well, you know, just uh, <laughs> just certain days, certain times of the day. Okay. Um, so I, I want to thank you. This has really, I think, been super helpful. Uh, I for for it's it's so funny. I I feel like I graduated from dental school a year ago, six mm -hmm. months ago. It feels so fresh and raw to me. And yeah. then when we have these conversations, it immediately brings me back to where I was in 1989. Um, I graduated in '88. I did a practice a general practice residency for a year. But all this stuff that we're talking about is just raw because it's it is um, it's sort of the DNA of building a practice and we're all trying to do it and it just keeps on going forever it seems like as we're in practice so I want to thank you um, I'm looking forward to our next conversation we have lots to talk about uh, and we will meet again at our next meeting until then uh, dental online trainers I know are going to be super appreciative of the information you shared and looking forward to our next meeting and the next information you'll share with us then. So I want to say thanks very, very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to having more conversations. Hope it wasn't too, hope I didn't make everybody too dizzy. <laughs> no, I think this is perfect. All right. We'll look forward to seeing you at our next meeting. All right. Thank you, Dennis. <laughs>